Welcome to Slingstones, a podcast with insights for the Christian journey. Proudly brought to you by Healing Care Ministries. Now here's your host, Terry Worley. Let me say a word of prayer. Father in heaven, when we come to you, we're longing for your embrace. We ask that you'd meet us wherever we are today, driving in a car, sitting at home, in a favorite chair, listening as we walk, whatever it might be. May we have the sense of your presence. Holy Spirit, guide us in the name of Jesus today as we talk about you, about your movement in our lives, and how good you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've mentioned many times that I grew up in a very small town in western Pennsylvania with relatives all around, and some of those relatives lived about two miles up the road in a little town called Rankin Town. And it's one of those towns where all the houses were right on the street. It wasn't a city street. It was a little country lane, and all the houses in Rankin Town were just feet off of that street. And we were there many, many, many times. You see, with my mom and dad, cousins, married cousins, my dad grew up with a cousin. His name was June. His name was actually James, but everybody knew, knew him as June. He and dad grew up like brothers. My mother grew up in Courtney, another little town nearby, and she and Evelyn grew up as sisters, and they began to all date, and they married. And for the rest of their lives, as long as they were living, they were as thick as thieves, always close, always doing things for one another. And we visited with June and Evelyn, and June and Evelyn visited with us all the time. I mean, sometime during every week, we would pile into the car and off we would go, myself, my sister, mom, and dad, and we would go up to June and Evelyn's. They lived beside Aunt Bess in Rankin Town and have a great evening. Now, there's some things that I think would be fun for you to know. Number one, June was a pathological liar, which made being around him wonderful because he had these grand stories that we all knew were true, but he acted like they were true of things he had done in his life. And his wife, Evelyn, would always sit there as he was telling these stories, rolling her eyes and giving deep, deep breaths of disapproval. And yet she would giggle too about what it is that he was saying. It was really somewhat of a circus to be there because you never knew what they were going to do. One night we all went up there to make taffy and June got some of that taffy between both his upper and bottom dentures, and he had to pull them completely out. And there they were stuck together. And wow, did the laughing continue. Another time, he had uh, what is called athlete's feet, and he wouldn't treat it. So he was sitting on a chair, and he had kind of dozed off with his socks off. And Evelyn came out with alcohol and just drenched his feet. And he jumped off of that chair, and he was moving across the living room like he was a man trying to walk across the sun. And we all laughed, and he spit and sputtered, and then we all went into the kitchen, and the ritual there was there would always be coffee for the adults, homemade bread and butter, and then they always had scallions or garden onions, and that was something that everyone ate. And they would tell stories and laugh, and I loved it as a kid to hear about mom and dad and June and Evelyn and all the things they would do as they were young people. It was honestly great entertainment. So one night, they were out in the kitchen, and uh, I was in their little living room, and I 
saw that she had these butterscotch balls. And I unwrapped one, I put it in my mouth, and I laid down on the couch to enjoy it. And all of a sudden, it became lodged in my throat, and I couldn't breathe. And I got off the couch, and I went into the kitchen, and they could tell because I was turning. I couldn't get a breath at all, and the panic ensued. And June ran straight and got some boiling water and put it in a cup, and he gave it to her, and they took it to my lips, and I couldn't even handle it, and I threw it away. And uh, Mom was screaming, and they were worried. And finally, Evelyn, this spunky woman, she grabbed me, and she bent me over halfway, and she took her fist, and she hit me so hard in the middle of the back, back that that butterscotch ball came flying out. Truth be told, she saved my life because I was gasping for last breath. She then yelled at June as to why he gave hot water. He said, well, I thought it would melt it. Well, it scalded my mouth, and that's the kind of thing June would be known for. But we often told that story, and at first it was just a story of how humorous the night was and how everyone was scurrying and afraid. And later on I realized that that severe treatment— really was part of what saved my life. Now, I am absolutely confident that there were a lot of other ways in which this could have been handled. No one back then knew the Heinlein uh, maneuver. Uh, and yes, between my shoulder blades, there was a bruise and I was hurting, but I was glad to be able to get a deep breath. And I don't think I ever put a butterscotch ball again in my mouth to this very day. But there's a lesson here. There are times in life when we face situations where the tender mercy of God is appropriately applied. His tender mercy. He's kind. He woos us. He speaks gently. He comes around us like the dove of the Holy Spirit, like a down comforter. And he cares for us. And those moments are sweet, and we feel safe, and they are invigorating. But there are other times in our lives where there is, if you will, a severe mercy that God shows. That term, severe mercy, that's a C.S. Lewis term. That it doesn't feel like God is being good to us. It doesn't feel like God is involved, and that the difficulty we're facing seems to going to break us but in fact, in some way, God is very, very involved in this moment. Do you know what C.S. Lewis said? He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Think of that. Pain as a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In the problem of pain, he actually said, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us, but he shouts in our pain. Today, later this afternoon, I'm going to be spending some time with a, a friend who's going through a season that's tough, and there's pain involved. And like we all do, he's scratching at it, and he's trying to get rid of it, and he wants it over with. 
But there is a place in which we have to understand the activity of God in these kinds of moments. A number of years ago, I was going through a difficult time, as I have often. I wanted out, like we all do. And I was complaining a lot to God, and I was kicking against the goads, if you will. And in my scripture reading that day, I came upon this scripture in Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. It goes on to say, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your ways. And then later on, it actually says, God, you are the one that afflicted me. I remember reading that and then rereading it, and I thought, I think what the scripture is saying to me is there's something good happening, and I'm kicking against it even in the midst of this difficulty. And I remember making a decision on that moment, a very difficult decision, one I've had to make over and over again, that when I face this kind of moment that I need to thank God for it. I need to turn and praise God because there's something about it that he wants to use to form me. And it's not easy to do that. But here's what I remember. I remember that very day after a long season of fighting and kicking and feeling oppressed, to read this and, and come to the point of recognize there's something that God's up to here. And I decided to praise God, not to praise God in general, but to praise God for the very thing that I was kicking against. That's not easy to do. I guarantee you it is not easy to do. But as I did that, I could feel the level of oppression begin to lift. And from then on, whenever it came up, which could have been hourly or daily or weekly, I asked the Holy Spirit to help me turn and praise him, not in the midst of the struggle, but in this case, for the struggle itself, believing that somehow God was there and that he was trying to shape me. Now, make no mistake, I have no special courage. I wouldn't consider myself strong. I love the tender mercies of God far more than the severe mercy. But if we trust God, there has to be a sense that even when difficulty is coming, there is something he's up to. And that if we can turn and say, not only I thank you that you're here, but I thank you for what can happen in this moment, I think a grand transition can occur in our lives. This scripture has become important to me for years and years. And out of it, the little litany that God is good and all that he does is good. And he always has my good in mind as he watches over to care and to shape. So I wanted to share this with you. Yeah, the story of Rankin Town and June and Evelyn and mom and dad and a butterscotch ball is 
simply a metaphor, although true, of the fact that there are times that our deliverance involves a severe mercy, not just the tenderness of somebody coming alongside and holding our hand or wrapping us in their arm and caring for us, but those moments when the cure almost hurts. And yet, can we turn to God and can we look at this scripture? So I want to encourage you, look at Psalm 119, verses 67 through 72. This is the testimony of the psalmist who is saying that even in affliction, God is using it to do something good in our lives. Can we trust him? Can we call out? And can we listen to this megaphone of pain so that it shapes us for eternity? I don't know what situation you're in right now, but I offer these thoughts. I want to remind you that God is good. All that he does is good. He's absolutely nuts about you. His face is turned toward you. And he longs to give all of us his peace.